Peter for us? And uh, I would, I'd love that, man. That'd be great. All right. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and pray for us as we open up the word of God. Lord Jesus, once again, I come before you to thank you for the people you've put here in this room today, Lord, that nobody is here by coincidence. Nobody hearing this message, Father God, is hearing it without purpose. So, Lord, we just lift up our hearts to you and uh, ask that you mold us. Father God, I ask that you would just rebuke my flesh, Father God, and allow your Holy Spirit to take control and to speak. Lord, let your will be done. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. All right, the title of today's message is Peace, Be Still. And we're going to be reading through uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with us. Otherwise, it'll be on the board. But before we start reading, um, I want to talk to you for a little bit. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? These are the words that uh, Jesus spoke to his closest companions. The words he spoke to the, the 12 men that walked with him throughout his ministry, that followed in his footsteps even after he died on the cross and ascended to the Father. These are the words he spoke to men that we now call apostles, teachers, and miracle workers. How is it that you have no faith? And here we are as we read this story. We're going to see that years before we find these apostles, these teachers, these miracle workers in, uh, in very humble beginnings, in circumstances that I believe many of us will be familiar with, that many of us may be in even today. So let's take a look. Let's read through Mark 4, verses 35 through 41, and let's, let's look at this episode in the life of these apostles in a time of peace and in turmoil. On the same day, when evening had come, he, being Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So let's stop right there for a moment. I want you all to think about this for a second. So Jesus has already uh, been baptized. He went into the wilderness. He fasted, was tempted by the devil, and he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. He has chosen his 12 uh, disciples at the time, these men that are in the boat with him, and he has already been traveling the country, right, He's already been healing the sick. He's already been casting out demons and forgiving men of their sins. And these disciples were with him every step 
of the way. They witnessed every part of it, right? And now here they are in Galilee, and they're, they're standing out, and I guess in the open field near, near the sea, and Jesus had been teaching all day long, even until the evening. And so finally, as, as it's starting to get dark, they decide, you know, we need to get away from this crowd, <laughs> right? We need to get some rest and move on in our ministry. And so they get on the boat, and they start to travel to the other side of the sea. And in the night, we see that a great storm appears in their life. That the winds are roaring, the waves are raging against the boat, and water is now even coming into the boat. It's flooding the boat, and they're afraid of sinking. And what is our great hero doing? It says, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Not a care in the world. But yet his disciples were so frightened, they went and they woke up Jesus. And they said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? Now, in hindsight, this seems kind of foolish. But I can only imagine what kind of things are going through their mind as they're looking at this situation. You know, I'll tell you what, anybody who's having any type of financial trouble or, like, relationship trouble or anything like that, that's, you know, that stuff is bad. But you go on a little boat where ain't nobody around to help you in the middle of a storm, and let's see which one's more scary, right? So we got to give these guys some sort of credit, okay? But I, I can only imagine what's going through their minds, you know, things like, oh, this is out of control. There's nothing we can do, right? It's hopeless. What's going to happen? And even, Lord, where are you? Like, obviously, he's over there sleeping. They know where he is, but where are you? What are you doing? Do you not care that we're perishing? Verse 39. It says, Then he, Jesus, arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. That's all he did. Jesus woke up, right? Saw all these people freaking out. And he's like, really, guys? I, look, let me just, just, just right, stay right there. Just, hey, stop it. All right, cool. That was it. He spoke peace, and there was peace. You know, in the beginning, it says that God created all things, right? The heavens and the earth, all that's within him. You know what he did? You know how he, he established that? You know how he started that process? It says he spoke. Let there be light. And there was light. And it was the word of God who did that work. And in John, we're told in the beginning of the chapter that the word was with God. The word was God, and the word became flesh. And so here we have Jesus in the middle of a mighty storm, and he just says, peace, be still, and it was. All of the commotion, all the worry they had in life, all the troubles that they were facing were done. It was done. And everything was back 
to where it should be. Now, I want you to notice something about this verse. It does not say Jesus spoke peace and be still and things started to get better. It doesn't say gradually things slowed down. No, no, no. He spoke and it was done. It was done. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And notice this in verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? After Jesus spoke peace into their life, they were even more afraid. Because they were presented with a, a truth that was so deep and so profound, they didn't know what to do with it. In the face of truth, they were more afraid. You see, these disciples, they're all Jewish men, okay? So what that means is they know there's one God. They know who that God is. They know it's the God of their forefathers, the one who brought the Jews, uh, who established the Jewish people, who brought them out of Egypt through the uh, wilderness into the promised land. They know about the signs and the miracles. They have the, the Old Testament to, to teach them about God's laws, about his character, who he is, right? And check this out. They know, in fact, they are waiting for the Messiah, the one who God promised to sin to deliver them from their sins. And they knew that that Messiah would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem, would be from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David. He would come out of Egypt, be called a Nazarene, and would be a great light in Galilee. They knew all that. Okay, they knew it. Yet, here they are in Galilee with Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who came out of Egypt, who was born of the line of David in the tribe of Judah to a virgin of Bethlehem. And they know that only the only one who has authority over the winds and the waves is God himself. Because in Psalm 89, 6 through 9 and in other places, it talks about that in the face of the raging seas, God will speak and still them. They knew all that. but they still don't get it. They knew all that up here, but they still did not fully trust Jesus. They didn't really trust him. In the face of all their evidence and knowing who Jesus is, Jesus has to turn to them and say, why, why are you so fearful? Because they didn't really trust in their heart what they knew to be true. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, it was, it was a dark time in their life. The winds were blowing. The sea was raging. But I want you to understand something. In the midst of their fear and worry, God was in the boat. Isn't that crazy? God was in the boat. And Jesus, you know, I don't really think when he turned and spoke to him, like, really, guys? No faith? Come on. I don't think he was really concerned that, that, he, that they were questioning 
you know, him or, or asking of him. He wasn't really concerned that they woke him up from his nap, right? I don't, I don't think that was the issue. The real issue was that after everything he had shown them, after all the goodness that he had done for them, they still didn't trust him with their own lives. They still would not trust him in the simplest matter, to just believe that God is in control. They did not believe Jesus to be all that he said he was. And they did not believe him to be God over their circumstances. God might be real. Okay, they got that. There's a Lord, there's a heaven. Okay, they got that. Okay, this might be the Messiah. But they did not believe that he was God over their circumstances. All control. And because of that, they were in chaos. They were plagued with worry and fear. And I'm here to tell you, that is no way to spend even a single day of your life. And in the face of knowing all this, of seeing the evidence of God in front of them, of knowing he was the fulfillment of the Messiah, you know what they turned and asked? It says they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who can this be, this God, who healed my arm? Who can this be, this God, who took Cynthia's cancer? Who can this be, this God, who gave Elizabeth Goldsberry a new stomach after six years of not being able to eat? Who is this God? All that evidence wasn't enough because they had not given themselves in their hearts over to that truth. And this makes me consider, we have, to, we have to ask ourselves a question. And this might be a question you have to ask yourself as a whole, in your whole life. It might be a question you didn't ask yourself for specific situations. Do we really trust Jesus? Is Jesus really the God of our circumstances? Jesus was the God of Harold's circumstances, and you went to work that next day, huh? Praise God, man. Do you have mighty storms beating against your heart and your spirit? Maybe today. Maybe you need to think about last week. Maybe you need to think about the last month. How much turmoil was in your life? See, the world will present us many ways, guys. It doesn't ever stop. Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble. And I think he says, and fear not, but I'm going to say, and fear not, I have overcome the world. That was Jesus' own words. You will have trouble. Oh, take heart. That's what it was. And take heart. I, Jesus, have overcome this world. When those waves come, how much time do we waste in turmoil over the thoughts that our boat might be sinking? How much time do we waste thinking about <laughs> our circumstances, asking, Lord, where are you? This is out of control. What do I do? How much time do we spend worrying rather than taking the time to realize that wherever you are, however high the waves get, that God is in the boat? Right now, 
with you at all times. At the end of Matthew, the very end of the book, the last verse, 28-20, after he sent out his apostles and given a commission for all of us as Christians, when, um, actually starting verse, teen, verse 18 when he says, Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And he ends with this, the last phrase in the book of Matthew, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is in the boat, ladies and gentlemen. And we serve the God who still rules the raging seas. Do not wait. Do not wait until you feel like you're sinking with no way of escape. Do not wait until you're crying out in every direction but up. Trust in Jesus. Trust in him for your life right now, the way it is. No matter how far you feel, no matter how bad it seems, trust in him right now. Just as it is. You know, in that trust, all we have to do is call out on his name for help. And Jesus will speak, peace be still. And your spirit will receive a great calm. Right now. We receive a great calm if you simply trust in him. When we entrust our thoughts, our actions, and our circumstances to Jesus, he makes all things as they should be. Even if we can't see it right now. And that is the peace, guys. That's the peace that I experience every single day of my life. And I know many of you experience the same thing as we trust in Jesus and call on his name. And that is the peace that he has for everybody in this room today. Colossians 3.15 tells us, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. And be thankful. So today, if, if we're having struggles, or if we can look back on, on situations and realize that we were in turmoil, we need to just call out on Jesus. We need to confess the the issues of our hearts to him. And we need to just ask him to speak peace into our lives and trust that he will take the situation because guess what? There was nothing those fishermen could have done in that boat. I don't care how big their oars were, right? Nothing they could have done. Their only option was to call out on Jesus. And guess what? That was the best option they had. And if anybody in this room doesn't understand that peace, if they, maybe they know Jesus, they've heard of Jesus, they know there's a God, but they've never really trusted him with their life, with their future, with, them circ- with their circumstances in their heart. Today is that day to cry out, Jesus, just save us. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, which means every time, and just, because Jesus paid the payment on a cross that we deserve for our sinfulness. Yes, sir.
in his boat, he sheared a pin in the motor, and we were all the way down from camp on the opposite side of the Rio Grande. And so he says, you're going to have to swim across and go get a pin from the camp and then swim back. So I said, okay. So I thought, okay, I'll walk a half a mile up because the water was running pretty fast. And I started swimming, and I came out just about where the camp was, picked up a shearing pin, put it in my pocket, and I thought, okay, I better walk back up and then get in the water because I know it was going to push me down quite a ways before I could come out, and I thought I could come out about where the boat was. And it was pushing me faster than what I thought, and it pushed me way past the boat. And I'm swimming until I'm just almost exhausted. And then suddenly there's a whirlpool. And I'm in that whirlpool, and I'm just <laughs> And I know I'm going to fail. And so I said, Jesus, <laughs> is this the way it's supposed to end? And at that very moment, I was on that side of the boat anyway. <laughs> and I was picking myself up. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. And I walked back up to the boat, and her dad says, did you get lost? And I said, no, I got saved. <laughs> I guess God's answer for you was, uh, no, it's not how it's supposed to end. So, guys, I just want to commit this verse to you one more time. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, because you were called in one body, and to be thankful. And Lord, we're so thankful that you saved Bob and that, uh, and that you've saved so many of us here. So let's pray together.